Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pay and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. Come up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. You people, you people are too much on the uh, text line. It's uh, hook them up with Ian Rod B. On this Thanksgiving week, short week. This will be our uh, second and then our final show tomorrow of the week. Of course, we'll be off on Thursday morning and Friday morning. But on Friday, we'll be working, Rod. We're going to be getting ready for the Texas pregame. That's right. We won't do the morning show Friday. We won't do hook them up, but we will be down at Mockingbird Saloon ahead of the game. Get you ready for the 630 kickoff on senior night with 25 Longhorns to be honored and some of the big names that have helped build this program. Been through the bat tough times and now the chance to uh, finish with a championship potentially. Uh, that's who will be honored. And uh, Senior Night's always emotional and special. Should be a great crowd. Should be a lot of fun. And Sark said it's only their second home night game of the year. They had the, uh, what was the other home night game? I'm trying to think of the schedule. Uh, home um, night was uh, no, you're Wyoming. Right about that, I guess. Wyoming, yeah, way back. Ugh. Yeah, that's been a bit. That and weird. remember when they did the, uh, they should, that's well, the only time they got to do the drone show and all the uh, mm-hmm. the pyrotechnics and everything that everybody yeah. was so fired up about. <laughs> you're right about that. So I'm assuming more of that will be coming with, you know. Well, especially with senior night, last yes. game at home. Yeah. And I'm sure, and they've had a while to plan for because that was way back in September when they played Wyoming. Uh, they've played night games on the road, obviously. But uh, not at home, just the one against the Wyoming Cowboys. Good job, Ty. Yeah, you folks on the text line, we were talking about uh, off the record, uh, 6th Street brawl. But I also mentioned the little person that got arrested on 6th Street and several people. I saw that. Four of you said that was Kyler Murray. And one of you said said, that's Jose Altuve. That's not. Those guys are way taller than this dude that was arrested. This dude was like four foot. Yeah, like he was really short. Like I know y'all are joking, but that (laughs) dude was really short. And I wonder, what what was the offense? What was the charge? I don't know. I I just saw a TikTok video, somebody or Instagram video. Somebody got their phone out. It had to be like disorderly conduct. Maybe like, like, what what could he have been doing down there? Punch to the junk. (laughs) I'm saying, like, what could this this smaller individual have been doing that got him in Arrested. Who knows? Drugs. He wasn't fighting. Drugs. I guess drugs, yeah. Or a headbutt to the junk. <laughs> no, just trying to, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. That, I've not, you're right. He, he was very small. I mean, he, he literally, his head came <clears throat> to the waist. Like the, the top of his head. The junk. Came to the <laughs> the waist. Or the, yeah, the case came to the waist of the officer. And the officer wasn't like really, like, he wasn't tall. He was just walking up. him through 6th Street. The average height. Uh, guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he was obviously a little person and uh, not I sure what like, the offense was. Isn't that a isn't that, that's public. You can, that's, that's like uh, public. You can knowledge. find his name. You can find it. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. I don't know the name of the little dude. I was going to say maybe you can if tell. If he ended the, up uh, getting arrested and, and booked. Yeah, maybe they didn't book him. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it was just hard because he was so small. I, I mean, he was handcuffed. 
I don't know if the handcuffs would fit though. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that's that true, to be me. Yeah, he was really like, he was really small though. He was yeah, his, very small. Wrists weren't very like, big. Like he was a, he was the size of like a small like a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he was an adult. He was an adult. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not being mean. I'm not no, trying not to be insensitive here. I don't want to go. Observation. We're just training. seeing yeah. video. You know. He was. See was the just... video. You react to video. Like we watched the football game last night. That happened. We're talking about guy. Chiefs can't catch. Chiefs cannot catch. Rod B. Might be able to catch better than some of these Chiefs receivers, and I had terrible hands, as y'all all know. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, they might want to move some of these corners. This Trent McDuffie man. guy, let him play receiver for Dude, a while. Dude, Deron Bland, oh, man. Way, better hands way better hands than the Chiefs wide receiving core. Also, yeah, Longhorn uh, uh, basketball team goes down at Madison Square Garden, fought their guts out after getting out. It was a t- tough start. They got down 16 within the first 10 minutes of the basketball game. Caden Shedrick didn't play. They didn't have any size um, with Dylan DeSue out as well. But they battled back and made it a six-point game. Uh, but that that's a tough nut. We talked about the, that the line was only six games, Rod, or six points going into the game. And th- th- that if you're tie over there and you do the Sex Panther pick of the night, six. UConn would have been. You realize last night's win for them, UConn, who are the defending <coughs> national champs, was their 22nd consecutive win by double digits or more against a non-conference opponent. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. No, that was a uh, that was easy. And money. now you don't now Caden Shedrick, who led you to, to your win on Sunday with twenty seven points. Now he's not playing because they uh, precautionary, but he may have reaggravated that shoulder that they're hoping to rehab. They're gonna have to be careful with him all year. Um, and you know, this was you got your win. You played in the championship, but why risk this? It's a bigger picture for Caden. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, but yeah, I, the, I remember I brought it up yesterday. I was like six points. That's all. That's all the line was at the time. I was like, man, seems like mm, that line may be a little too low considering what we had just seen from Texas offensively. Texas did play better than I thought. Uh, still end up losing by but double digits to UConn. Um, Dylan Mitchell was probably the big storyline for Texas, though. If you want to pull out sure. the, <clears throat> the bright spots, reasons to be optimistic, career high and game high in 21 points. Uh, he was 9 of 12 from the field, so 75% field goal percentage from the field. He also had eight rebounds. Four of those were offensive rebounds, two blocks. He had a steal. Uh, two blocks were also a team he high. He was active. He had – I mean, that was a – if you if he if he starts playing like that more consistently, and obviously he's not going to get that performance every time, but something, uh, you know, in that realm, uh, not only is he going to be a huge difference maker and impact player for Longhorns, but NBA scouts are going to like what they see if he keeps playing like that. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, text line. Oh, no. Somebody said, I heard he was being a little disorderly. Okay. Wow. Somebody said that guy's bound for small claims court. Okay. What what are y'all doing? Bring it in. There you go. Nice little one-liners. It's too easy. These people probably didn't even see the video. They just see an opportunity to throw out a nice little one-liner there. I like it. There you go. I like I said I he is he was very small. I, I saw, wonder what caused him. I saw to be a video before he got arrested of him getting interviewed by one of those you know people that walk around and put cameras in people's face on Sixth oh, Street. The, oh yeah, the uh, looking for content. The content was makers. He, was he rowdy? He was rowdy and he was flexing. Oh, you saw him on Sixth Street that night? No, no, no. I saw a video of him getting the interviewed. Video. Oh, a video. I'm sorry. And then. Uh, this was after I'd seen the original video, and then the top comment was like, oh, he got arrested shortly after this. So I guess <laughs> something happened in between those two videos, but it was, it was pretty Did funny. he seem inebriated in the video? Like, was he wasted? I don't know. Everybody's inebriated. He was he, was he, he wasted on the video? I think they asked him for an inspirational quote, and then he said something about like uh, doing hard work, and then he started flexing, and like, so what do you do? And then he didn't have an answer. So maybe he fought the interviewer. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
He was a little tipsy. Yeah, probably. Oh, See, come on, man. Come on. You, know, you guys are funny. You no, know, he could have been, you know, drunk and disorderly. Those he could have been drunk and disorderly. Yeah. You can't do that. That's right. still illegal. Uh, okay, so uh, I wanted to play this for you, Rod, because you're going to have Rod's rant number two of the day. But uh, I wanted your thoughts on this, and this could be a topic for you know, the rest of the hour, rest of the show, too, on top of the rant coming up. But this was Tom Brady. He was talking to Stephen A. Smith, Rod. Stephen A. Smith. Okay. And uh, was asking, we're talking about scoring being down. You've done all the analytics and how red zone scoring is down. Quarterbacks, their play is not as yep. good. Points are, are not mm-hmm. defense. All these under, another primetime under last night, Rod, yep. comes home. Well, here was Stephen A. He asked, um, you know, Tom Brady, who played 25 seasons. This guy was a rookie in the early 2000s, seen a lot of ball. Here's Tom Brady on uh, his frustration with the state of the game he loves. I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And ho- Why not? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm-hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way, and every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to a defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock him out of the game, and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. I, I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of- there you go. There's Tom Brady. It's interesting, <clears throat> and I feel he's being critical of the offensive guys too. Yeah, well, you know, I think we all get frustrated with the game. You know, last night late, the uh, the roughing the passer call on London Fletcher or Fletcher Cox, London Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, that gave them 15 yards before the Spangandling drop was. Come on, man, he's running up in the pocket and he throws the ball, and you just push up. He, he shoved the quarterback. It's like that's a penalty, right? As he threw it, and that's that's roughing the quarterback. Quarterback hit the ground too hard. Oh, and of course, did you see Patrick Mahomes get up like, oh, you hit me, hit me, hit me? What do you a penalty? Yeah. Uh, that's I think a lot of that's what Brady's talking about, you know, and yeah, the fact that you know I can't throw you across the middle right into a hard hitting safety because you know that, that you're going to get hurt. And I can't afford to lose you. I think he's right. What you what you make of his point about the lack of coaching, like the the development is not as good as it used to be. Is that fair? I mean, that, this will remove the rule conversation. I think we all are frustrated with that, but we know well, that's about concussions uh, and safety. Yeah, I, well, I think it it, it could it, it probably is true. But I don't know if it's necessarily all the coaches' fault. Remember, they have now been hand, they've been a little handcuffed in how much time they can spend with players sure. in practice and in the offseason because of the new CBA. Because the players want less practice time and they want to practice, they want less physical practices. So you, you have fewer padded practices, uh, you have fewer time at practice, you have fewer preseason games, and all of that that goes into sloppy play that he's talking reps, about yeah. and reps, and that's. I need those reps in practice to track, practice my technique and my fundamentals. Uh, so I, I think that's a big part of it. So he's not wrong, um, but I don't know if it's necessarily all the coaches' fault. The coaches – and by the way, the coaches, they're not around as much, period, in terms of there's not a coaching turnover now. Used to be when Tom Brady was there, coaches got five years, you know what I mean, to, With to the same player, the same group of guys. Same player, same group of guys. That's not the case anymore. <laughs> coaches are getting what? 
three years now, max, if yeah. you don't get it done. Sometimes less than that. You're getting coaches out after one and two years now. So that's a big part of it, too. Brand new, and, and by the way, coordinators are now being changed over, uh, turned over a lot quicker, too. So in, in new court, new systems, uh, new language, new terminology, all that affects development uh, for uh, you know younger players. So I, I'm with them. I, I agree with them. I just don't know what the solution is considering the track that we're on right now. You know, more games, less practice. That's basically what you got about it. Yep. More games, less practice. Well, well I like, hear well, it. sloppy games. Yeah, I do agree with Tom Brady, though, that it's become a more mediocre game than it once was. Well, that's, that's about quarterback play. Honestly, all that comes back to quarterback play because you're now getting more quarterbacks hurt. You got – I mean, I counted – this is prior to – last week, but prior to last week, there were 14 teams already using backup quarterbacks, well, and, that, and now you're going to have more. Yeah, and that begs the question, <laughs> why are there more quarterbacks getting hurt when they protect them more than they ever have before? This doesn't is make any sense. Same issue we're dealing with, and these, this is a, it's a great kind of, uh, I think it's a great kind of deep dive rabbit hole discussion to have, because we're having the same discussion, I think, on a different level in the NBA. Right, it's about load management. It's like we're protecting the players more than ever. All right, there's there's less wear and tear than they had before, and they're still getting hurt at a higher at rate. A higher rate. Like, the rate's like that doesn't make any sense. No. We're protecting them more. They're uh, less wear and tear. That's what load management is all about in the NBA. And yet they're getting hurt at a higher rate. We're seeing this now at court with quarterbacks in the NFL. Saw it last year with quarterbacks in the NFL, and we're seeing it this year. It's like so, we're protecting them more than ever before, and yet they're still getting hurt. And now this may come back to offensive line play and what I mentioned earlier. <laughs> if you're having fewer padded practices, yeah. right, and you're having fewer reps and less physical practices, well, where are the linemen getting to work in? E, they're not. They're they not work like a like a glove. You know, yes. five, five, hand, five fingers exactly. of hand. And the D linemen are getting more athletic by the day. That's Georgia. That's yeah, <laughs> Tavondre Sweat. That's Tavondre Sweat. Yeah, you want me to block that guy without reps at practice? Come yeah. on, man. And not get called for holding. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrestling a bear here. Yeah. Uh, okay, and, and I can't grab him. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a good conversation. We'll continue that uh, because, it, you know, I'm a baseball guy. So, you know, same thing happened. They tried to coddle pitchers and not give them as many innings, and they'd point. have more injury. Yeah, it's like, great what do we point. Do? Yeah. Well, I do think there's something to building up that battle armor, man. If you're Tom Brady, you know you're going to get knocked around. Um, you know, and we talked about C.J. Baxter, the freshman running back, needs to build up that armor, that body armor. You're right. You got to take some hits, and you know, if your quarterback, you never get hit, then all of a sudden you get hit. You don't break easier. Mm-hmm. That'd be my thought. No, I'm with you. I agree with that. You kind of callous, almost callous yourself up a little bit yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, the rant of the day. There's a little ranting going on there. That's good stuff right there. And you can stop with your little person comments on the text line now. <laughs> let's go to Rod's rant number two of the day. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right. Uh, We were talking Dallas Cowboys uh, last Rod's Rant. We'll get to um, that We'll, we'll review that rant. I'll just say that. And if you didn't hear it, uh, we'll make sure that it's posted. Um, and you can go check it out at hornfm.com. But I want to switch over to the offensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. I've been trying to track 
all right, the modernization right, of this Tex Coast offense. Remember, I went on the big rant prior to the bye week about how the, the Tex Coast offense for the Cowboys just lacked some modern cheat codes. And if they would use more of these modern cheat codes, then the offense would improve exponentially and also get the ball to CeeDee Lamar. Um, and, and they did both, right? They, they started modernizing the offense, and they got the ball to CeeDee Lamar. And now Dak Prescott is the highest-graded quarterback by Pro Football Focus right now in the league. <clears throat> and he was just struggling early on uh, this season, and now he's got the highest-graded, uh, highest grade, excuse me, by Pro Football Focus, 89.4 overall grade. So let's talk about <clears throat> the modern cheat codes they're now using. And I brought up a few of these, right? Motions, pre-snap motion and shift rate. Um, three by one uh, formations, right? Trips to one side, single receiver to the other side. Uh, empty formation is another one. Bunch formation. Sark likes bunch. Closely clustered groups of receivers that give your receiver a freer release and also force DBs to have to read and react rather than redirect and reroute. So those are just four. There are a lot more you can use out there, but <clears throat> I keep up with like four of them. And I, I do it with Texas and, and even tracking the Cowboys prior to the bye week. In week seven, the Cowboys were ranked 16th in pre-snap motion and shift rate. All right. They were at uh, a little under 53%. Um, and that had them 16th. All right. So we're right there, middle of the road. Since the bye week, they're above 60% and they're 11th in pre-snap motion and shift rate. They should be even higher, but that's much improved. You're, clo- you're, you're hovering around the top 10. Uh, prior to the bye week, you look at three-by-one sets, trips to one side, single receiver to the other side. This is important because the single receiver a lot of the time is CeeDee Lamb now. And why is that important? Well, you force defenses with the way CeeDee Lamb's playing, and he's playing as well as any receiver in the league right Right now. It's, right now it's Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, and CeeDee Lamb. And after A.J. Brown's performance last night where, I mean, I think he had like one or two catches, CeeDee Lamb right now is trending toward being an all-pro. All right, first team all pro wide receiver. That's what kind of year he's having right now. So you put him as a single wide receiver. You put trips to the other side where there's Jake Ferguson, some combination of Jake Ferguson, Brand, Brandon Cooks, or um, Michael Gallup, Tolbert, whatever. Doesn't matter. You can put Michael. You can put Pollard over there too. The point is, C.D. Lamb is a single wide receiver, and the reason that's important now that he's playing like an all pro is because you force defenses to make a decision. Are you going to double C.D. Lamb, which you should? Because right now he can't be covered one-on-one. And if you double him, that's great, but you're going to be one-on-one. That means you're going you're gonna to lose the numbers battle against the trip side receivers. Now, you could go over there and go four-on-three and double C.D. Lamb, but if you do that, man, you've got almost nobody in the box to stop the run. Not that the Cowboys are running the football that well, but you are going to lack numbers in the box and make it really easy to run the football. Most defense don't do that. They like to stay pretty balanced. And so with that choice, that you know, obviously having to make that choice, um, most defenses will choose either to win the numbers advantage versus the trip, so you'll go four on three, and then you can go one-on-one and roll coverage towards C.D. Lamb, or you just simply double C.D. Lamb, and then you take your chances with the one-on-one matchup to the trip side 
Either way, Cowboys should easily be able to find and manipulate the matchup advantage. That's why you like three-by-one sets. Cowboys went from 25th in three-by-one sets prior to the bye week with a 32%. Now they're at uh, above 38%, nearly 39%, and they're uh, right now 19th. Still not where they need to be, but much improved from being 25th to 19th. If you look at Empty formation rate. You guys know I love empty formation. Been talking about it for two years now. Cowboys uh, were 26th in empty formation prior to the bye week at 6%. Um, now they're at 14%. They're first in the NFL since week seven, since the bye week, in empty formation usage. And by the way, Cowboys ranked fourth in success play rate out of empty Third in EPA per play out of empty formation. They're damn good out of empty formation. Makes sense because Dak is playing really well. And you got an elite wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb. So you look at bunch formation. They went from 25th in bunch formation usage in, um, in, in weeks one through six prior to the bye week. Post bye week, they're 13th in bunch formation at 40% bunch formation usage. So the, and they need to continue to improve on these concepts and using these modern cheat codes. But it's clear that in the bye week, they modernized the Texas Coast offense. And the modernization was simply the usage of cheat codes and force multipliers at a much higher rate. And as a result, Dak is the highest-graded quarterback by pro football focus right now. Uh, Dak is top five in yards per attempt, in completion percentage, in fourth in passer rating, he's fourth, and touchdown-interception ratio, he's sixth. So essentially, he's top five in all those categories, top six, I should say, in all those categories. And I think a big part of it was now that he's, he's just playing at a much higher level because they're utilizing a lot more cheat codes that are advantageous to Dak and just making his reads easier, making his indicators a lot clearer pre-snap and post-snap. So get, you got to give the Cowboys credit. And by the way, We've been talking about the running game. That was your biggest complaint. They got to work on the running game. We said during this stretch where they're playing these bad teams, yeah. you said work on the running game, work on the running game. I'll give you a little stat for you. Carolina. Cowboys averaged 6.3 yards per carry and 37, actually a 38% success rate on inside zone runs. All right. Now, that's good for third and ninth in terms of success rate and yards per carry on inside zone runs last week in the NFL. Prior to the Carolina game, the Cowboys were averaging 3.3 yards per carry on inside zones. That was 27th in the NFL and a 22% success rate. That was also 27th in the league on inside zone. They got to get better on inside zone because that is part of their bread and butter play from last season. They love the inside zone run. And the last two weeks, Pollard's been playing better. He's actually had 10 forced missed tackles in the last two weeks combined. He had eight total in weeks one through nine combined. So Pollard's playing a little bit better. Maybe now he's starting to feel like his old self. Uh, after the injury, maybe the Cowboys offense now finding its identity, which is the passing game. They're passing now to open up the run. Maybe teams are now deciding we got to stop CeeDee Lamb in this passing game. We can't devote numbers to stop the run. Hell no. Nah, we can't stack the box. We'll play with a light box and then we'll stack the uh, the numbers in the passing game. Maybe that's what you're dealing with. Either way, I think the running game might be finding a little bit of light. A little bit of light. I still think it's kind of, I agree with you. I did watch a lot of that Carolina game. They really were working on it. 
Uh, I still think, unlike like kind of like the Chiefs, I think they should have acquired a running back at the deadline or even yeah. in the offseason. I still think they need another a bigger, sturdier back. Uh, big picture for the month of December and into January. But, uh, the, the, you know, I, I'm glad that they're improving on those things because – and Mike McCarthy deserves credit because he's he – this is his offense now. And he, yeah. he talked all offseason about working with Dak to build an offense that favors Dak. And as you said, he's been great the last month. And as we said, they got this game Thursday with the Carol- – the, the, uh, <clears throat> Washington Commanders. A week later, they play the Seahawks on a Thursday night, which is a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Then they play the the Eagles again on a on a primetime game. Then it's Buffalo and the Dolphins. So we're going to find out where that run game is because uh, they're going to need it into the month of December as the schedule stiffens. Uh, but they're right there with the Eagles. They would have loved to have seen Marquez Valdez Scanley catch that ball last night, which would have could have dropped the Eagles to eight and two. They'd have been a game back. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, control what you can control at this point. That would have been big for them, though. Catch yeah. the ball. Catch the ball. Uh, somebody who was catching the ball is Deron. Bland, um, the, the only uh, rant I had about Deron Bland earlier was that he needs to be in a defensive player of the year conversation now. Uh, he's got more touchdowns than over 20 wide receivers, uh, and he's got the same amount of touchdowns as the entire wide receiving room for the Atlanta Falcons and more than the Jets and the Browns. Uh, the last defensive player of the year at cornerback was Stephon Gilmore. Remember, he had six interceptions and 20 PBUs, 49 tackles, and two defensive touchdowns in 16 games. In 10 games, Deron Bland, six interceptions, four defensive touchdowns, 12 PBUs, and 38 tackles. He's definitely going to eclipse the year that Stephon Gilmore had. He's playing like the best cornerback in the league right now. And if you go look at odds for defensive player of the year, I think he's got the 11th best odds. But, man, he's got 11 interceptions in 16 starts, E. He's only started 16 games. And he's got 11 total interceptions. That's not a coincidence, so folks. That is not a coincidence. Because you could make the argument last year that uh, you know, with Trayvon Diggs, you were thrown away from him. And now, look, they're trying to attack him. And he's still making picks. Making picks, man. Yeah, he, I mean, he essentially right now is playing like the best corner in the league. I'm not saying he is. He's playing like it. And he's playing like a first-team All-Pro. So I just think he should be a defensive player of the year conversation. Should he win it? I don't know if he's going to do that. He's on this track with all these big games coming. He will be ding, in that ding, conversation. Ding. That's right, brother. Not Micah Parsons, but uh, Parsons will still get that spotlight. Yep. We'll be back. Uh, all right, good stuff there. Uh, Tom Brady talking about the state of the NFL. Uh, Rod with Durant, good stuff on the Cowboys. We'll come back, pick up the Longhorn conversation. Looking forward to Texas Tech Friday night. Also before the end of our 9 o'clock hour, it's Who Said That, Who Rod? Said that? Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, a lot going on. It's a Tuesday, but uh, only three morning shows this week, so we're going to jam a lot in. We'll uh, get you ready for, I shouldn't say jam a lot in. We're going to get to a lot here over the next three days. Uh, you fit three days into five, or five shows into three. Get you ready for the Cowboys' big game on Thursday. Texas on Sat on Friday night, part of a busy day of, of uh, Black Friday football. Also, of course, the weekend that is rivalry weekend in college football. That's right. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, obviously Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Oregon. Oregon State should be a good one, Rod, because that's a that's not just the Civil War, but it's got the bedlam feel to it because it's the last one for a long time potentially where Oregon is headed off to the Big Ten while Oregon State is stuck. And same with the Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State. I want to say one of those rivalries uh, agreed to play each other. Did they? Yeah, I'll find it for you. I want to say I saw that because they were saying that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State could do the same thing. I'll find it. Yeah, the bluster has been they're not doing that, but you know, bigger, 
people above them, administrators could decide differently. Yes. Uh, it would be exactly. a shame if Oklahoma stops playing Oklahoma State. It, but uh, just like with Texas and Texas A&M, when A&M left. Yeah, it doesn't look like anybody cares enough for them to, you know, continue the rivalry. That's the problem. Yes. See, like if, if you've got decision makers that care about it enough, then yeah, they'll want to continue it as much as possible. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. Brevin Murphy tweeted this out. He said, uh, see this Sooners and Cowboys. It is possible. Washington State and Washington agreed to five-year continuation of Apple Cup through at least 2028. 2024 at uh, Lumen Field in Seattle with next four games alternating between schools and campuses. You got a little dog uh, fight yeah, you got going a little on dog over here. Sorry, on. we're at the home studios. <laughs> we're dog sitting for my brother. Uh, and you got, Chelsea ain't having it. She's like, you better get away from me, man. She said, I ain't having it. She's like, I ain't having it. All right, so <laughs> that's happening. Hey, uh, let's talk some long ones here, Roger. A couple things happening here in addition to Senior Day and what's coming up on Friday, the big game with Texas Tech. Uh, but there's a couple, couple thoughts here. Six Longhorns were invited to play in the Senior Bowl. That's a big deal for these guys. Deal. They get a chance to go to Mobile. Yeah. You and I need to get a travel budget. We need to go to Mobile. That's where we need to be in early February. That's where all the scouts. That's where all the scouts NFL, and GMs yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, Mobile is where it all came to an end for Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson over the uh, over some drinks. Oh, really? Is that yeah. what it was? The senior Bowl. That was the wow. the straw that broke. I mean, Jimmy Johnson openly admits that that he heard Jerry say something after a few drinks that really ticked him off. Oh, Jerry. Since we talk about credit and who Jerry, gets it. And he did get tipsy and starts talking too much. He, he did. That, that's absolutely <laughs> true. Done that before. For Cowboy fans who don't want to know that story, that yeah, that happened oh. in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I didn't realize that's uh, where it was And at. that's really how that turns. That's why we probably need to go to that because six Longhorns are going. We could do shows there, talk to who's who and agents. and uh, it's, it's, almost, oh, yeah. it's almost like the Combine now in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. but it's actually more relaxed. Because they're there for a week of practices, and then they play the actual game, but no one really watches the game. They all there for it's the watch practices, the practices. Yeah, the guys they leave when the game happens. And, and it really is big part of the draft process, but it's a big part of the NFL offseason because that's where the initial conversations about trades, trades, and free agency kind of over some right over some Tito's. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You're right. Uh, and so it's it's a, it's a who's who event, and you know, like the Super Bowl, where the Super Bowl is now just a big commercial. Like, everything's commercial. Spectacle of it, man. Yeah. It's Senior Bowl. A corporate, it's a corporate event now. Would still be a cool spot. Uh, but Byron Murphy, good for him. He's going to get a chance to go. That's now this new rule where, because he's not technically a senior, but he's been invited because the NFL wants to see him because uh, mm-hmm. he's a big-time player out of DeSoto. Yep. Alfred Collins is going wrong. Nice. He's like a guy that. that has a chance to impress some people. Tavondre Sweat will be there, of course. He wants to be a first-round draft pick. It's might be tackle room, huh? Jalen Ford. And yeah. Jade Barron. They want the front seven, don't they? I have, to think, I have to think Jade Barron is uh, going to be an interesting guy for the NFL because he's such a versatile player. I know you love his football IQ. Yeah. Um, I think in the NFL he's projecting to be uh, a corner or a nickel. I mean, that, that will be his projection. Uh, as a corner and, you know, his, his measurables at the combine will matter as far as speed and twitchiness, that kind of stuff of what position. Yeah. But there's no doubt he can play ball. He's got great film. In the last two years, actually, his film is fantastic. And, and you know, when you, when you specifically look at two guys, Alfred Collins has been talked about as an NFL player since he got here. He just has not played that level consistently. But you can't coach the measurables, right, the size, the long arms, the, no. the body, uh, the athleticism, uh, still trying to learn to play football. Jalen Ford has developed. I mean, you talk about Tavondre Sweat, Jalen Ford, and Christian Jones, three guys kind of coming in as, as three-star players who have played their way into a chance to play on Sundays. This is why recruiting is up for Texas. They've always been able to recruit, but now they're recruiting lines of scrimmage and they're able to tell. Longhorns didn't develop an offensive lineman for 15 years, Rod, that got to the National Football League. Good night. 
And now Christian Jones, yeah. you've told the story about how he played soccer growing up and he didn't really come to football until he's in the 10th grade. So yeah. he was a project. Well, here's the project's paying off because right now he's the best Longhorn offensive lineman when he's on the field. I mean, Kelvin Banks still has some work to do in run, run, run blocking. But Christian Jones has been great this year for them. He's been really good. Yeah. And now he has a chance to impress some NFL scouts. I bet you he's a day three pick into the NFL with the body and the long arms and the upside. Uh, Alfred Collins, Tavondre Sweat coming out of Huntsville. You know, the, the thing. Three-star. Yeah, three-star player <laughs> who is now he's, now he's maybe a first-round pick. So good for those guys. Um, maybe we'll need to get ourselves to know that. And to be so um, hmm, no JT Sanders. That's interesting. Didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, JT still Nothing. just a junior. Yeah, but he still got the new rule, right? Yeah, we the new rule we could have. Um, and right. I think Byron Murphy's actually a redshirt junior, so I think his year delineates. But oh, so maybe look, it's a year thing. Maybe look, they're looking at years and stuff listen, like that. J- JT Sanders still has to become a more willing blocker. I mean, he's improved his run that's blocking. That's why I thought they may want to see him. Yeah. He's going to see him in practice to see if he can block. Like yeah, that's right. To. That's why I thought. Because I'm with you. I think, I think NFL scouts, I think there are multiple NFL coordinators and coaches that are already in love with JT Sanders. Yes. That even if he – if he, some people say he, thinks he might need to come back to school, but even if he decided to just leave and say he wasn't the top one of the top two, you know, tight ends coming out, and he drops to I don't know third round, I don't know what the top tight end. Brock Bowers will be drafted in the first, the second tight end will probably go somewhere in the second, or, and then maybe the third or fourth tight end will go yeah, top late hundred picks, which is first, second, third. Yeah, late second or early third. He, I, he's still going to end up starting for an NFL team because tight end talent is not a is not a really deep position, and he is the type of new era tight end that is a matchup nightmare for defenders. So I, he's one of those guys where he's going to the league just because I think he knows, or at least his representatives know that man. Even if he can't block, he's not a polished blocker yet. You can learn that in the league. But he is a next level receiver at tight end. Great hands. Well, and that's you know the NFL scouts they pay attention to five stars, right? They know who the five stars coming out of high school are, and this is where you give credit to uh, to JT. He he was willing to learn to play tight end because when he came out of uh, you know Denton, what his position was going to be was uncertain. Was he going to be a pass rusher? Was he going to be a you know a, you know a, a tight end? What position was he going to land? I was knew he was a great athlete, and he was willing to kind of redshirt his first year, learn the nuances of tight end, and now he's still a work in progress. But you're right; they'll draft that potential big time yeah. uh, if he's in that. Uh, so that so the development of the players, Rod, and then the success on the field, which they're playing for a championship potentially if they can win Friday night. That's leading to further recruiting flips. And this is another thing to watch in Longhorn Nation here over the next two weeks is flip. You know, the Longhorns just flipped the, uh, the cornerback out of Louisiana, Wardell Mack. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, the, the Longhorns are working some guys who are already committed to schools, but it's schools that are in coaching change situations. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is big, I think, for the Longhorns, the opportunity um, to flip some guys. Uh, Ty Anthony Smith is a linebacker from Jasper. Oh, I watched him. He's, he's, a, he's a hell of an athlete. 6'1", 205, but he's got an 80-inch wingspan. Freaky yeah. long arms. Like, he's going to continue to grow. He's out of Jasper. He's a four-star A&M verbal. But A&M's middle hiring a coach. Yeah. So if you're Texas and you're going to the Big 12 title game, you're working him. Remember, they flipped Anthony Hill mm-hmm. last year at this point. Uh, there's also the kid, Xavier Filsame. Uh, this five-star state view from Florida. from from uh, McKinney High School, who's got, committed to Florida. We allegedly have kinfolk of Xavier Filsame to listen to. He listens to our show. His yeah. cousin listens shout to our show. Shout out kinfolk. Well, and Billy Napier is in the hot water, right? If they get smashed by Florida State or lose to Florida State, even without Jordan Travis, he could be in trouble uh, this weekend. Billy Napier has not been impressive in Mm-mm. two years at Gainesville. And Texas also remains in contact with a kid named Alex Foster, who's a defensive verbal defensive lineman who is v- committed to uh, Baylor. 
and we're all keeping our eye on the Dave Aranda situation. So, again, all, all this that, that happens leads to commitments and recruiting, and the Longhorns, instead of moving on to new people, that are they're, they're still working the commitments that could be shaky if a coaching change happens. And, you know, Florida – and you've seen Xavier Vilsain play some football uh, out of McKinney. That's a five-star safety, and we all know the Longhorns need complete safeties. Yeah. Safeties that can cover and tackle and play, you know, four downs. Yeah, Texas has got multiple players like that. They got, they got Kelvin Banks like that, didn't they? They did. Well, he yeah, was he was committed, committed to Oregon. Oregon and then – Cristobal yeah, left. He's lazy and then, boom. And I want to say – there's a story. Maybe it's Jade Barron's like that with the Matt Rule thing. That's right. That's right. Matt Rule left and then he decided – so that is a – I'm you know, I think that's just a mentality. They, they basically – I think Jerry calls it recruiting to the whistle. They put, they put in, you know, the resources and the time to recruit recruit a young man they don't give up on the recruitment they just decide if, if, if another team's in the lead on that recruitment or they're committed elsewhere texas still stays pretty you know uh, diligent in that well, and that makes and sense. that pays off when like you said the flip season happens well and, and that would stand to the reason of what sark says about their recruiting philosophy they don't recruit to star stars they recruit to players mm-hmm. they evaluate the players and these are the ones we've identified that we like that we, fit. We, yeah we want you yeah. and just because they haven't committed to us yeah doesn't mean we're stop working them because yep. we think they would be a good good with us yeah we're not just moving on to a next guy that we didn't evaluate that that highly we're going to stick with our guys and because you know, they're, they're they're thinking these are our evaluations not the recruiting services valuation oh, so yeah. we're not just going to say oh we lost a four-star go give me another four-star corner it's like no no i want that corner yeah um and that goes to what they're talking about about these names xavier uh phil same who's you're right he's he's basically you know Derek williams you know, basically a corner, sorry, a cornerback like skill set at safety. Yeah. He can straight up With cover. Size. Yes, straight up cover. And all you gotta do is add weight and add bulk to him, and a guy basically will turn into a Sunday Sunday player at one point. And the Ty Anthony Smith kid watched him too. And the reason he's interesting is because it kind of reminds me, because linebacker these days is turned into what tight end used to be, where there are no linebackers being developed at the high school level because of the proliferation of the spread. Where are you going to find a true off-ball linebacker at the high school level? You're not. All right? They're going to be athletes that you project to play off-ball linebacker at the college and the pro level. Same thing with tight end. You can find a damn real tight end in the proliferation of the high school spread off. Go to Iowa. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> you go find these athletes. You go, man, that kid, he's a basketball player. But I think you add a couple of weight, a couple of pounds to him, teach him a technique, teach him pad level, he's going to be a hell of a tight end. That's what a lot of the tight ends are. Hell, JT said, just got on talking about it. That's what a lot of your tight ends are. I think off-ball linebackers becoming that because they're so hard to find ready-made at the high school level. They just athletes that you project. That's what this kid, Tyanthe Smith, is. He's he is Jalen Ford. I uh, mean, Jerry Hamilton pointed this out. He is a lot like Jalen Ford in terms of his football IQ, um, but he's more athletic than Jalen Ford. And the reason you know he's got high football IQ is because in high school he plays everything. He plays quarterback, plays running back, wide receiver, linebacker. They put him <laughs> at everywhere. He plays everything. You know, he really does. But to do that, you have you can't be a football idiot when you're playing auspicious because in real time you have to process and actually know all the plays when they put you in there. So he's got high football IQ, which is what you want at that off-ball linebacker position, i.e. a guy like Jalen Yeah, and they had a great recruiting class last year, linebacker highlighted by Anthony Hill Jr., who's starting for Texas right now. So keep an eye on those names. The Longhorns are also in on the uh, Kobe Black situation, the five-star corner from Waco. Uh, That's one they're after. He's good. Yeah. Uh, But point of that is, with all the coaching changes that are happening and potentially to happen, the Longhorns are not giving up on some guys who are not currently verbally committed to them. Uh, A&M, Baylor, and Florida, the names to watch for there. All right, we'll come back. When we do, Rod, let's find out who said that. Who said Who that? said it coming next? The Horn text line has moved. 
Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, Who said it, Rod? Rod Who Babers, said that? Aaron Hogan on a Tuesday. Uh, also, uh, by the way, are we, uh, Ty, are we still uh, t- tweeting or live streaming on the X feature? Are we doing that right now? Uh, I think so, yeah. We're, All right, for those listening, rolling. you can listen on uh, 101.9. You can listen nice, on AM like 1260, it. on our Horn app, on thehornfm.com, and on X. Uh, if you'd like to find us there, just the audio for right now. We'll get that all set up with cameras just soon enough. But uh, good to have us there. Good to have you finding us and finding out who said that. Rod, what do you have for me, uh, Mr. Baber? All right, Ty, I sent you a bunch of clips. Uh, so just dial up one for me and uh, let's play. Who said that? Don't take a job. Hear me now when I say this. This is, this is deep. Where the expectations outlay the commitment. Like, uh, like you know, I, if, if I want to be in great shape and I work out one day a week, Okay, you want to be a ten-win team, and you're spending, you're you're spending at the middle of your conference. Oh yeah, that's Matt Rule. That's mm-hmm. Matt Rule. Uh, you know, he's yeah. giving advice to his assistant coaches, maybe going off to look for other jobs. I think right? He is. He's he's definitely. There's definitely some. Um, there's a hidden message here for someone. He's talking to somebody. He might be talking to his own oh, I think administration, his defensive too. coordinator and his own co- – yes. He's talking to his own people like, hey, y'all need to spend some money around here. Yeah, that's a message. That's a message. <laughs> message, yeah. You, you don't give me your expectations with you're not going to fund it. Yeah, because he's winning now, so now he can kind of make some demands around it because he's winning. Yeah, he's going to win there, but he also knows he needs – because now you got four new schools joining that are all big spenders in USC and UCLA, yeah. Oregon. Yep. Uh, right. to go with Michigan they got sugar daddies, State. man. They got big-time sugar daddies. Speaking of Big Ten coaches, Rod, who said this? Who said that? Uh, this is good stuff yesterday. Rivalry weekend on tap. Of course, um, it seems like there's always been a, a fair level of respect between the coaches. Um, it's hard to determine what that is right now. What would you say is your respect level for Ryan Day and, and their staff? Um, it's, uh, it's all about our preparation for Ohio. Um, you know, the days, the minutes, the hours, everything leading up to this game. Um, you know, that's where our focus is. Preparing ourselves and planning, going to practice and then execute. So, uh, I mean, anything else is irrelevant, um, you know, when you get into this kind of this kind of big game. The music, man. It's kinda, I, like, I like the music in the background. But I love the fact that he didn't give any – he didn't even mention them at all. Ohio. Getting, didn't, that's the only thing you mentioned, but then in terms of respect to the coaches, he didn't even mention them after that. He didn't talk about anything about their achievements or accomplishments, nothing, acumen, nothing. He uh, talked about, about us. And if you see the video, it's wow. funny. He, you could tell he had to hold his tongue because yes, they, they don't like each other. No. He, he thought about it and then said, you know – we're going to get prepared for Ohio. We're getting prepared for Ohio. I could take a shot here, but I'll take a subtle shot instead. I won't make it obvious. What he didn't say says a lot. Yes. I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Says it all. Uh, all right. I like that. Hey, Ty, uh, dial up another one. I sent you. Oh, you know what, Doc? Ty, can you pull out the one that's like a minute long? It's really good. Can you pull that one out? He probably won't get who said that, but I think it's going to be relevant to a conversation. Who said that? And when you put.
this device on, it feels like you're on the field. I mean, you can go up to the line of scrimmage, you can come back off of it, you could use the whole football field if you chose to, to move around in it. The other thing that we felt like was a big plus, we have simulated the, the away team stadium. Now we know where the play clock is. Now we know where he, he doesn't have to start looking at this environment and, and trying to adapt to it. It also has an eye tracking device. So we're seeing him the way he can track and scan the field. He claims to us it has just made a huge, I asked him yesterday, matter of fact, how much has this really impacted you? And I'm thinking, all right, he's going to give me 5%. He said from scanning wise, from scanning, almost 75 to 80% is what he told me. Wow. And we started the Mississippi Jeez. State game is when we started this. And it has just been a, a crazy progression. And he said, you know, more and more. And Mario's done a fantastic job by getting this information in, getting it into the system based off what the coaches want. And we. Okay. Who said that? You probably won't get who said it. I don't know who that is. That is Jack Marucci. Jack Marucci. Of course he, it is. He is. The, <laughs> uh, but he is one of the uh, trainers. Like He's basically director of performance innovation is his title for LSU. And he's talking about Jaden Daniels. He's talking about using, um, essentially, they're using virtual reality training. Wow. They're using virtual reality and artificial and AI training to help Jane Daniels. And people want to know, why is Jane da- why is he having his uh, breakout campaign? Jack Marucci is claiming that a lot of it is this new technology they're using to train their quarterbacks, which is AI-assisted, uh, you know, kind of virtual reality training. It's like putting them in the, in the cockpit. You know, Crazy. And do flight training. And, and he's talking about how they can track the eyes. Yeah. You see, instead of telling like, I need, I need to know what you're looking at, or tell, tell your, uh, your quarterback what the keys are, you, you know what he's looking at. You can tell. Where if he's got bad habits with his eyes, oh, man, that's that. So I, I know Sark's a quarterback guru. Man, can't help to have one of them at the house or something. Can we get a, an NIL deal for all the Texas quarterbacks with a virtual reality simulator at the crib? I love Just that. practicing? For it's like you're playing, you're playing Madden anyway. Yeah. Let's play it for real. Hey, Kyler Murray, get off the, uh, the <laughs> war games and let's start doing some simulation. That is fascinating. But well, the NFL teams are already doing this, but it is fascinating. Well, and it is, you know, Sark calls his quarterbacks, you know, fighter pilots. They've been using this in fighter pilot simulation for a long time out at the Amen, uh, Top brother. Gun Academies. Yep. Um, because, you know, these are expensive airplanes. You can't be training in the, in the jets all the time. Uh, who said this, Rod? This is a good one. I think you'll like it. This is fun. You'll probably figure it out pretty quickly. Who said it? I think he should go back in Division Three football where he belongs. Look at his resume, man. I mean, I'm sorry. Dude comes in there one year coordinating a team that my wife could coach. Trust me, she'd do a hell of a lot better job than this guy's doing with this defense. You get paid to answer those things. All right, handle it. The reason they're questioning you is because you're atrocious on defense. Give it to anybody else. Let somebody else coach because it ain't getting done. Damn, okay, that's Rex Ryan, right? Yeah. But who is he talking about? Oh, so, you know. Is that my Brandon Saley? Yep. <laughs> I don't know how I guessed it. Okay. Because the coaches usually don't go that hard on other coaches. He but just told that guy his wife could have coached the Rams to a Super Bowl. Rex Ryan said his wife? Like Rex Ryan's wife? Yeah. The one with the sexy feet? Yes. <laughs> yeah, very beautiful feet. <laughs> I and love said that he should thing. go back to Division Three football. Whoa. Where he belongs. Damn, Rex. It's a little harsh, ain't it? Going all in. Damn. Well, look, and we talked about it yesterday. Brandon Staley, remember when they came off the bye and they gave up 
400 yards to Patrick Mahomes and they couldn't cover Travis Kelsey, didn't have a plan for Kelsey. How's that possible? I mean, it is the... They Jordan spent, Love just threw for three bills. They have spent the second most money on defense over the last two years than any other team in the league. So Shameful. All that yeah, talent? All that talent. They got a ton of talent. Jordan Love can't throw for 150 yards on people. <laughs> with good defenses. Get three bills on you. Three bills. First, yeah, yeah. I mean, That's they awesome. were like celebrating at Lambeau Field, man. This is our first since Aaron Rodgers left. We're over 300. <laughs> we used to live over 300 yards passing with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, All right, we have one fabulous fifth hour coming your way as yes, we roll sir. on. Uh, hook them up with E. Hogan and Rod Babers. Fifth hour, you just never know, right, is uh, how that could go. It's going to get crazy. We will go behind the burnt orange curtain one more time. We will hit some what's popping, talk some Texas basketball coming off the uh, loss last night, but uh, a learning opportunity there for the Texas Longhorns. And, yeah, eyes firmly set on Texas Tech Friday night, the Longhorn regular season finale coming your way. It's hook them up with E. and Rod Babers. Mother-in-law dearly. He always lit up a room, but his vision dimmed with age. He had age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. And since partnering with Apellus, I've learned there's an advanced form of the disease called geographic atrophy, or GA. His struggle with